today we are going to Fresno in day three of our minor league affiliates with the Blake Street Banter. We sit down with Jack of all trades, Stephen Rice. Tyler sits down with me and we ask some questions about what is going on in Fresno and how awesome baseball is in bright red. Go ahead and listen. Again, follow, subscribe, share the word. We're out here doing cool things for Rockies fans. Let everybody else know about it too. And enjoy. Let's banter. Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other two are just along for the ride. I have uh, Tyler, somebody that blogs for us, with us today. Tyler, say what's up. How's it going, guys? First time hopping on the podcast, so I'm, I'm real excited. <laughs> Let's do this. And then we got Stephen Rice from the Fresno Grizzlies, who, in his own words, is just a Swiss army knife of things down there. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, this is this is gonna be fun. Just we were just talking about it. Like the Fresno Grizzlies have the most hope that of any organization in this Rockies Rockies affiliates, and you just get to sit there and watch it every single day. It is, I mean, it is so much fun. I literally live and breathe some of the best players I've ever seen come through Fresno. I mean, we were a triple affiliate for a long time, but now here at single A, these guys just seeing the young exuberance ability is just unbelievable. And to just watch it and actually just be mesmerized by how talented these 19 to 25-year-olds are, it's unbelievable to watch. You got to see something pretty cool last night, right? Did you see that? Oh, I saw, I saw it last night. It was Zach Bean's home run. Oh, That's yeah. what we're talking about, baby. <laughs> how sweet was that? I mean, for me, I didn't think that ball was going to initially get over just because the trajectory of it was kind of doing like a little arch kind of thing. I was like, please just get a little bit farther. So everyone was kind of at the edge of their seats. And then when it went out, everyone hands up in the air, we started celebrating. It was a good time. But I think the biggest thing afterwards was the kids reaction who got the initial ball and then the trade that happened. So then they could give the ball to Zach Bean, I think was worth every penny. I saw a little bit about that. What ended up being the trade? Yeah, I mean, so what really happened is uh, our marketing manager, Jonathan, who you've talked to before, Johnny! he uh, he came through and uh, got the ball from the kids and said, hey, you know, Zach Bean really would like this ball. And so I think it ended up being a broken bat, a signed baseball, and a hat on top of it, too. So I think the guys came out with some swag afterwards. But I think the biggest thing, too, is Zach Bean got to do it on Father's Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a win for the kid. I mean, obviously you want that the value of that that ball, but I mean for Veen, that's that's one of the most important things in the world now. First pro home run. I mean, it's it's been a while for him to try to get there. And I mean, we've we've been asking every day, when's it gonna happen? When's it gonna happen? The guy, you know, does so many different things. And so we're like, all right, well, where's that first home run? And I think finally he can kind of breathe and go, All right, I've done what I wanted to do. Now I can go back to start hitting line drives again to the gaps and start you know, getting going and the home runs are going to come. I mean, it's, it's not one of those things where you're going to hit a home run every game. And this team is starting to finally figure it out from Zach Bean to Drew Romo to Julio Carreras. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, we saw it at the major league level with Brendan Rogers just about two weeks ago uh, or a week and a half ago, he had his first career home run. And since then he's just seemed so much more in his zone, like looks like Brendan Rogers, the guy that we've seen for six years in the minors. So I hope the same goes with, well, Veen's been comfortable this whole time, drawing a lot of walks, but hopefully we see the power shove because when he's drafted, you see scouts are talking about his swing like Cody Bellinger. You, you expect the loft, the home runs. Um, so hopefully we see more of that to come. 
Oh, he's got plenty of power left in him. Uh, the good thing too, is that especially when he gets upper, you know, to the upper levels, especially in like Albuquerque, that's a hitter friendly ballpark. So you're going to see a lot of home runs when he gets down the line, but for him to start getting the power here, it's great. I just hope that he continues to uh, not shy away from what he's done, drawing walks, getting on base, stealing bases. I mean, so he has so many different abilities and I just hope he doesn't go away with it from that first home run. Yeah. And we wanted to, to ask, he, he leads the low A West in stolen bases. So what do you see from him on the bases? Is he really that fast or what's, what's going on there? Lightning McVean. Trust <laughs> me. It is a thing. It is un unbelievable. He is as fast as it comes, but what I really like about it is his ability to read the pitch. The guy get, takes a great secondary lead and then he just takes off on it too. And his awareness of exactly where the catcher is going to get the ball, knowing the situation I mean, the guy is fast, but I think it's more of his awareness on the base pass in general, knowing the situation. It goes back to when he stole home probably a month ago, I think. I, yeah. did, I did some research on it because I wasn't able to watch it. But the minor league has that new rule, the low A with the two pickoffs per at bat. Yeah. So my initial reaction, well, did he steal it on his own or was it because of this silly, stupid little rule that, you know, MLB wants to try to incorporate? You but know, dude, I man, he stole it all on his own. It was I think all it's him. a mix of both. I think it's a mix of both. I mean, I think his ability to uh, be aware of what the pitcher had been doing, consi consistently mm -hmm. stepping off, but then on top of it too, the guy had thrown three straight off-speed pitches. So Veen's going, all right, well, even if it's an off-speed pitch, I could probably get in there at some point, you know, and try to make a play out of it. But yeah, a couple pickovers, you take advantage of the rule. The team has done a great job all season doing that. I mean, we lead the low A West with 79 stolen bases as a team, and we have over 30 in 36 attempts over our past 12 games. So the guys are taking advantage of that rule, but they're also aware of what's going on as well. Do you think that that's a, that's kind of a coaching thing or really just comes down to these guys individually as, as smart baseball players, because we've seen with Tavar and I think, I think Daniel Montano stealing, stealing bags too. just, yeah, like you were saying, lots of guys stealing. This team is one of the smartest group of guys I've ever met. I mean, I just talked about the other day, Drew Romo is 19 years old. And he has a better IQ than I do. And I have a college degree and I'm sitting there going, what, how does he, how do you become that smart, that young, so fast? And yeah, it's, it's a mix of coaching, but these guys are so smart. They understand the situation too. And they do the research. The analytics are unbelievable when it comes to it. And a lot of the big stuff they do is base pass and stealing bases. Do you, so you're 19 years old, you have him being Tavar and you have a handful of others, like these 19 year olds are just doing their thing down there. Is that because they came in like this or is there the staff really focusing in on this and having one-on-one -on -one sessions on analytics and whatnot? Like how are these 19 year olds doing this? I mean, first it is analytics. I mean, these guys are having meetings. They're taking, you know, little charts of, all right, well, this is where this pitcher throws a specific pitch. This is where the catcher does on certain times when this guy is pitching. They, you know, they have all these specific numbers. So they have these group meetings with the coaching staff of saying, all right, here's how we want to attack this pitcher. You know, yesterday we didn't draw any walks. The day before we drew seven. So it's different days of how they want to attack pitchers. The guy yesterday throws a lot of strikes. So, all right, so we're going to swing early in counts, try to get going, try to get ahead of pitches. While the guy the other day, there was a lot of, you know, junk early in the count. So let's wait back a little bit, finer pitch and get going on it. And it's the same thing on, you know, stealing bases too. All right. So the catcher we're seeing today has this specific pop time. When he has a specific pitch with this pitcher, he doesn't make a throw. 
all right, we can steal on this pitch or, you know, 2-0, the guy has an X percent of throwing this pitch. All right, we can take off on this pitch. And so these guys are not using, are not just only using the analytics, but they're getting together with the staff and coming up with a game plan. And it works great. I mean, last night, yeah, it's the end of the homestand, but these guys are literally spending two hours after the game, making sure that they're getting all the correct stuff through the coordinators of making sure that they find all the little tactics correct. Grant Levine's on a 12-game hit streak, and he was there for two hours afterwards working on his swing. The guy's on a 12-game hit streak. What do you need to work on right now? But that's super exciting because, like, these guys just want to get better, and they're doing everything they little they can. Like, I talked to um, Mike Susan of the Isotopes, the play-by-play guy up there, and he was talking about Valade doing his thing and spending time on the outfield, trying to adjust from being infield, outfield, and he's taking fly balls, and he's already grown tremendously just with that extra work in these two, three months of the season. And so for me, that's, that's super exciting. Like, like we said, the talents there, how are we building that talent? What are we doing that from talent? And I'm a little nervous in asking this, um, is that analytics from the Grizzlies staff or is that coming from the Colorado Rockies? It's like, the Rockies. Uh, are you sure? Yes, it is the oh, Rockies. Okay. I just, I yeah, gotta get clarification. Man. Yeah, it's the Rockies. I mean, all we do is just we want to make sure that they get it printed out. I mean, that's really okay. all we do is just printing out the stuff. Uh, we, as the Grizzlies, we're just very fortunate to have them uh, play for us and show their ability, and we just watch it happen. All we do is just have a little printer aspect with it. But the Rockies do all the all the hard work. Okay, I was about to ask the same question too because I think the Rockies some of it might be a little unfair that they've gotten this reputation for being kind of the stone age team in approaching the game. And, and again, I think some of that might be unfair. Some of that might be justified, but it's, it's good to hear that. Yeah. There there's an organizational emphasis on, on using analytics to impact strategy because we all see with, with teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, that's what the game is about right now is really figuring out how you can use numbers um, to, to give you an advantage. So, so yeah, I I like to hear that. It's a lot of fun to look at the numbers too. And there's is so many different aspects to look at it. I mean, just, I, I spend hours a day just looking at the statistics and it's just mind boggling to me, the amount of data that comes through with it. I mean, it literally looks like a playbook that they're running through right now. I mean, it, it really kind of feels like it's Drew Locke at the helm, but it's the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, so would you say you're a stat head? Like, do you ever bring that into your pieces of the job? Like, oh, yeah. I, I see that you kind of do – you do some weekend broadcasting. Do you, do you try to put that in there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I try to get everything going. I, I want people to understand that I am the biggest baseball junkhead in the universe. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons I'm single is because I'm such a baseball <laughs> junkhead that I'm in love with the game more than I can be in love with anybody else kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I make sure I get into every little thing I do put it through the game notes, put it through the game summary, put it into broadcasts. You have to put in there every chance you get. Yeah, I love to hear that philosophy too, because I think us as Rockies fans, we see the, the AT&T crew, and, and it's always a welcome sight when you've got someone like Ryan Spielberg who's talking about called strike whip percentage because that's like a new statistic that, that teams and, and scouts alike have been starting to use. But we see with some of the broadcasts, it's very much like looking at just RBI, as like a as like a key indicator of success but there's a lot of other things going on so love to see yeah the the analytical focus it's it's so much fun to watch and the the one thing that i always find interesting especially when it comes to the hitting numbers is the ops aspect people don't realize how much ops really plays in everything 
And so, you know, you look at a guy's average. So, for instance, Veen coming into the game yesterday was hitting 232, but his OPS is in the 800s. Mm-hmm. And so people go, well, how is that possible? He's hitting 232. He's doing awful. No, no, no. He gets on base. He walks, yeah. hit by pitches. He has deep at-bats. I mean, the guy does all the little abilities to get on base. Yeah, it's, it's great if a guy goes three for five and has a couple home runs. Yeah, it looks awesome. At the same time, too, it also looks great too when you can go maybe over two, but have three walks, three stolen bases, and score three times. It, it just adds up in the long run. Yeah, because I think you see with players like you can hit the ball, you can be a high contact guy, but you're not always going to have. I don't know if I want to call it luck because I don't know how much luck there really is, but you're not going to get hits. You make the same contact and you might not get a hit one time, you might get a hit another time, but you draw four balls and that's a walk every time that's a very stable like way to produce. And so when you see a guy like Zach Veen, who's walking all like crazy, he's walking like over 15% of the time, that's a very stable skill. And you know that that's going to translate as he's going through the minors. Um, whereas the guy that walks 5% of the time and is just putting the ball in play a lot, he's going to slump more often because he's going to find gloves. And yeah. I mean, even just talking about it too, not just a Zach Veen, but also a Drew Romo. Romo didn't have a lot of walks, uh, prior to coming into this week. And I know one thing he was working on was actually being patient at the plate and finding your pitch before driving it. He's thrown four walks in the past six games and he only had two coming into this week. So the guy is finding little ability too. these guys are improving in aspects that they weren't very strong at coming into it. And it just shows what the coaches can do, but it also shows what the players are willing to put in on an everyday basis. It's so much fun to watch guys. Are you going to be okay when they all move up? (laughs) <laughs> no I, I i'm not gonna lie uh every time i see a new transaction come through i i cry a little bit because <laughs> it's one less person i get to talk about on an everyday basis i mean when we officially called up mitchell kilkenny and uh finn delbonta smith i mean it hurt my heart right here going we just lost one of our best strike throwers we lost one of our best relievers but this is what it's all about is developing right. these players to get to the next level so the job's getting done and all I can say is, you know, enjoy it now, Fresno fans. Enjoy it now, Rockies fans, because they're now going up to Spokane. They're going up to Hartford. They're going up to Albuquerque, and they will be in a Rockies uniform very soon. Well, and just a little aside, like, do you do you take a fair amount of time to, to look at, like, MLB draft scouting and things like that to know who's, who's going to be coming through Fresno in a year or two? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I think that a lot of people don't really realize is now that we're at this level, we do get these guys from the draft. So for me specifically, I've always been a draft guy uh, over the years, you know, seeing guys like Alex Bredman getting drafted out of LSU. I watched Mitchell Kilkenny get drafted out of Texas A&M and being like, wow, I actually now get to, you know, meet this guy that I watched get drafted just a couple of years ago. And so I definitely keep an eye on what's going on. The question is how many of those guys are going to actually go straight to the Arizona, you know, fall league and practice a little bit versus come to here. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you right now, if we get Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter, <laughs> oh come on, it's game set match in Fresno. I think yeah. there might be something wrong if either one of those guys drop to us. But I'm on. Yeah, I'm we're on gonna talk with about you. it in our in our podcast a little bit later this week. But like seeing a lot of mock drafts and what people are talking about, I think there I think there's at least a chance that Kumar Rocker is available at eight for the Rockies, and I mean he might go straight to Fresno, so that would be pretty cool. It, it would be awesome at the same time, too. I mean, with the talent ability that he has, he might just skip Fresno and go straight to Spokane or Hartford, the way mm-hmm. the guy has been dominated Vanderbilt. 
yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see that play out. What's that? It's like two weeks, three weeks? Yeah, a couple of weeks. Uh, let me July. just tell you this. It's going to be crazy just to see all the different transactions or how guys are going to react with new guys coming in. It'll be fun to see the gel come through together with these guys. I wanted to ask you, has that been difficult for you specifically going from AAA uh, minor league affiliate to the single A affiliate? It's like just switching some things around for you personally with that, that in mind. I mean, I think that for me, the biggest thing is we still hold ourselves to a AAA major league value. Everything that we do at the Grizzlies, we want to make sure we do it to the highest level, no matter what level we're at, uh, whether it's from our marketing, from our media relations, from our social media, from our game entertainment, from how we sell tickets. We want to make sure that we still bring the highest level ability. But for my job, I think it's actually a lot easier being at single A versus triple A in the sense of the limited transactions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just talking to Albuquerque, you know, they have three, four transactions a day from guys getting called up and down from injuries and so on. I've had 17 total transactions this year mm -hmm. and transactions are not fun in general. So having to deal with that every day versus maybe once a week, it makes my life a little bit easier at the same time too, though, we still hold ourselves to that triple A value. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, putting you on the spot here so you can you get um dick monfort on the phone and set up a presser we see that you both went to unc i see on your resume you set up press conferences and we just haven't heard from him i don't know if yeah. you have any connection with that <laughs> you know i i would have to go through a couple different connections don't know how well that would work <laughs> at the same time too you got to rock the bears once a bear always a bear go unc <laughs> when and we wanted to ask like at your time there did you did you cross paths with him at all yeah, we crossed paths once, uh, and it was actually when I went for my visit at UNC. Uh, I went just to check out baseball and stuff like that with my dad, and he was there, and just, you know, just to be able to talk a little bit of baseball was a lot of fun, but I don't think he'll remember me, but it's always cool <laughs> seeing that we're now a part of the same aspect, and at the same time, too, having, uh, you know, the same background at UNC, is, it's, it's a complete blessing. So, Dick, if you're listening, um, <laughs> you go ahead and reach out to Steven down in Fresno. <laughs> Let's uh, bring it back to baseball. The the staff in in Fresno is good. Like you just said, Kilkenny, Etheridge, and our boy Dugan Darnell uh, got the call up to Spokane. What are you seeing from players like Weatherly, Ruff, you say about Eusebio? Um, what's really standing out to you on the mound, how they carry themselves on and off? Like you see these young guys, these 19 year olds, and then you see these like 23, 24 year olds, like just, what do you see, man? Yeah. I mean, so first of all, I'm so happy to have all these guys on our team and just be able to interact with these players and seeing their personalities come out on an everyday basis is an absolute, absolute grateful blessing. Uh, but the first thing, so Braylon Gusebio is an absolute stud. I'm going to tell you right now, he won't be with Fresno much longer. He has shown everything he's capable of doing. This guy, to be honest, could pitch at the double-A level, triple-A level right now and dominate. The guy throws strikes, the guy gets out, and he's consistent. You'll usually see about five to six innings, five to seven Ks. The guy's going to walk maybe one to two batters, not allow a lot of home runs. Um, you know, the guy does all the little things correctly, too, and his IQ is brilliant, too. He actually is also our translator for the guys who actually don't have a lot of uh, English ability uh, speaking-wise yet. So he's our guy that uh, allows us to talk to guys like Eddie Diaz, Julio Carreras, who are still learning the English language too. So the guy is not only a leader, but he's a guy that actually helps out us and also the team at the same time too. Mike Ruff, 
the guy is so talented. Root for Ruff, you've probably seen on our social media pages. It's something that uh, the team wanted us to go for for the guy. Uh, the guy is soft-spoken, but he carries a big arm. You know, throws the ball really well, does the job really well, too. The biggest thing for Ruff is he's a strikeout guy. Mm-hmm. You know, 8 to 11 Ks usually per game. The guy gets a lot of swing and misses, uh, really good breaking ball. But what I really like about Mike Ruff is he just he gets the job done. He leaves it up to the bullpen. The bullpen doesn't have to do a lot of work with him, and, you know, he gets wins. And then Sam Weatherly, the guy is maturing every single day, still has to throw, uh, you know, has to learn the ability to throw more strikes. But the guy has so much spin ability on that off-speed pitch that you'll see a lot of swing and misses. The guy, 95 to 96, so the fastball gets past guys at this level easily. The biggest thing for Weatherly is just maturing and the growth. As we said, yeah, he's a baby. So the guy mm-hmm. sells a lot to learn, but he'll be here probably for the full year. That's my, that's my guess. I mean, I don't know what they see for the future, but if he does get a call up to Spokane and Hartford, have fun with the kid. When it's good to hear the insight on, on Eusebio, because he's had far from an orthodox traditional path through the minors, like, um, had Tommy John, I think two years ago. And then with the absence of last year's minor league season, you didn't really get to start going again, but he's someone who's been, been prominent in the system for a long time. And I was kind of surprised to see him starting in, in Fresno rather than in Spokane and surprised he hasn't gotten that Spokane promotion yet. Uh, but it's good to hear really positive reviews about him because I, I do like his arm a lot and what he brings to the mound. You know, to be honest, I, I see a lot of, but from a lefty point of view, uh, uh, you know, a Sensatella aspect where he throws a lot of strikes, gets the job done, can get you consistent innings. Uh, so, I mean, I see a, a, a guy that could be a three, four man rotation in the rotation in a couple years down the line too. And yeah, as you said, a little bit kind of a weird setup. I mean, the guy signed when he was 17 years old. So he's been in the league a lot longer than a lot of people have. Uh, but yeah, you know, when you're, don't have baseball for a couple of years, him, Kilkenny, where you go through Tommy John, you have no season mm-hmm. trying to get back into it. You start him at a lower level to get him back into the groove again. And then when they're ready, they get to the next level. Yeah, that's very true. Like I was just looking at some of his stats. The He's looking good. The two, six, six ERA nine starts. It's pretty much a little bit over a strikeout in any, and like he's, he's got it. It's, it's pretty cool. I like that. And the team's seven and two with it, and his quality starts too. He has six quality starts. He leads the team in both those categories. The guy finds ways to win, and the team gives him run support about three point five runs per game. You are well, you mentioned him. Wait, obviously, obviously, he's translating and stuff, which you mentioned is kind of a, a leadership aspect to connect certain players of of different backgrounds. Um, who else on the, on the roster kind of stands out to you in these these leadership uh, maverick kind of roles? You know, it's weird saying this, but Drew Romo really does a great job actually being a leader. And he's one of those guys, too, especially when you see him on the field. He he commands the field very well. And as a catcher, you, you're supposed to command the, you know, the field. But he does it very, very well in the sense of everyone kind of listens and understands situations. There was a play yesterday, and to be honest, the ball should have, you know, well, most guys will throw the ball all the way and let the ball go through. And he's yelling, cut it off, cut it off. And you can hear it all the way on the third-level press box. And so – the guy is outspoken. People listen to him. It's a lot of fun to watch, too. The other guy is Ezekiel Tovar, and another 19-year-old running the field. Like, come on now. It's, mm-hmm. it's so much fun to watch, too. And these guys are getting put into leadership roles because they do see that ability in these guys at their age. And that just speaks to not only the levels of their ability, but also the trust the coaching staff has in them. Yeah, that's going to be so much fun seeing those 
young guys just take ownership like there's you that's like that's an unwritten characteristic i think just people forget about just that you're you're a ball player you have the talent and then what's your mental game like how are you as a leader how are you as a follower because we need followers too but like how do you do that well and i think that goes unnoticed by a lot of people and hearing this from our our studs like tavar and romo i'm down it's it's crazy too, because yeah, you see the physical ability these guys have, but this is probably one of the smartest baseball teams I've ever been a part of. And it just shows not only what the Rockies have done in the draft or what they've done signing, you know, international free agents, but also what the coaching staff has done is getting them mentally prepared. Seeing these guys every day, there's smiles on their face. I've not seen one guy in this team pout at any point this season. And, you know, their, their willingness to do specific aspects and their willingness to want to talk to us and want to talk to the fans and interact with each other. It's just, it's so much fun to watch. I mean, I, I run down just to drop off stats to these guys and I walk past Ezekiel Tovar and it's a big smile on his face. And he goes, you ready for today? And it's like, dude, like you got a game, like get your game face on. No, it's, it's a smiling face. It's enjoyment. It's they love being at the ballpark every single day. And it shows on the field too. They're winning. They're having a blast. You're seeing, you know, you've probably seen some of our social media posts. They're dancing in the clubhouse. Yeah. Guys, what the heck is going on in Fresno? It's something in the water, I guess. <laughs> You're not supposed to have fun while doing this. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a job. What are you doing? <laughs> when I really love to hear, yeah, that that sense of like unity with the team, because we've seen it with the Rockies, not not too recently, but you had the the most recent kind of new generation of big leaguers like McMahon, Story, David Dahl, uh, Ryan McMahon, like those guys really form bond like really tight bonds in the minor leagues playing at, at different levels together um, and I think that that does you can't quantify necessarily how much of an impact that has but I think you see that it it does you see the Fresno Grizzlies one of the best teams in in the minors just in terms of winning percentage um, and I think a lot of that does come down to that unity factor oh yeah and it's it just speaks to the uh, ability that our manager Robinson can sell instills in this team he makes sure that these guys are excited every single day, keeps a good demeanor, making sure that these guys understand little aspects. Steve Solis, our development supervisor, does a great job of getting these guys ready, puts them in the right mindsets. Nick Wilson, he was a player just a couple of years ago, and now is teaching some of the best prospects different abilities and just seeing their teaching aspect. And then we have one of the best pitching coaches in baseball, Mark Brewer. The guy has so much knowledge, and he's teaching these 19, 20-year-olds how to be able to pitch to get ready to the next level. As I said before, Juan Mejia is 20 years old and the guy's pitching as if he's 25, 26. And it just shows what these coaches have done to these players. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Well, and would you mind talking more on, on Ezekiel Tavar? Like what on the field? Cause you, you spoke about him a little bit in the clubhouse, really positive guy on the field. Cause he's been performing this year. Um, defensively and offensively what what things really stand out to you most about his game first of all defensively the guy does I, I mean I hate comparison uh, comparisons to specific players especially guys who are hall of famers or soon to be hall of famers too but he makes plays like Derek Jeter you know getting uh you know going into the hole backhand and making throw over to first base you don't see stuff like that you saw it from Derek Jeter Troy Tulowitzki bringing up a former Rocky they're seeing plays defensively that it's like, how are you making this play as a 19 year old? His range, especially going into the third base hole is unbelievable. And his arm is a cannon. The guy just, 
he, he makes a throw look easy. I mean, I, I don't know the exact registry of how hard he's throwing the ball to first base, but it's something that is probably a lot harder than most of our pitchers can throw, mm -hmm. just his arm talent on top of it. But what I like about him is his ability to use his voice to making sure that everyone's in the right spot. When it's a pop-up, you can hear, mine, mine, mine. You know, when it's, you know, guys getting in position, hey, cut off two to the right, two to the left. You know, you're hearing him making sure that he's putting oh, his guys you. in the right position and get ready with it. And that's just the defensive side of things. And then offensively, the guy does all the little things correctly, but his power is something that I think is spectacular. And it's to all fields, uh, you know, six home runs, 31 RBIs. Um, the guy leads the, you know, the team in multi hits, multi RBIs. Uh, you know, he's had a bunch of different hit streaks this season, three, five game hit streaks at different points this year. The guy finds all the ability to get on base. Uh, you know, you'll see usually two to three, you know, two for three, two for four lines for him per night. And it's just, it's, it's fun to watch. And the guy understands what he is good at hitting and he's willing to go after it. And he doesn't strike out a lot too. Lots of things to look forward to. Yeah. That's, we and hearing yeah, about I, him, I really and, like him. That's him awesome. and Romo as these young leaders is, is really exciting um, at, at their age to be doing what they're doing. Um, it's, it's pretty special. So I can't wait to see the national attention that those guys really start to get. Well, what I'm afraid of is if the Rockies have a great year, in the next couple of years and these guys are still developing the minors and Don't they decide it. to go trade for it. it, you know, I know, it. but it's, it's, <laughs> it's something that my little heart always worries about. It's like, don't trade these guys. We love them. Keep them here. Right. That's the, that's the bad part about fandom, right? Like we're fan of the Rockies, but then we start falling in love with these players and then you don't want those players. Like we're a huge B rod account. Like me personally, but that was my, first person I ever saw get drafted on TV for the Rockies. Like that was the first time I just sat down and watched the draft and it was B-Rod. And yes. so I have that. And like, he was, you know, he was the name and now he's here. Now we might rebuild what happens here. And so, yeah, it just hurts. It like stings a little bit when you see those players leave your team that you, you know. Yeah. And, you, and, you know, and, and 2019, I got to interview B-Rod and it was nice. one of the coolest interviews in the universe. The guy is so personable so much fun and come on now the flow come yeah. on now there's I a mean, little bit of a swag to it man i don't have much going on here but <laughs> the guy rocks it i mean it's like come on now yeah you can tell he really takes a lot of time and effort into being yeah having the swag and the style he the way he's out there on the field you're like if you're if i was like still like a kid growing up with baseball dreams it'd be like i want to be like brendan rogers the the swag too though on the grizzly staff eddie diaz he's got the chains going it's always popping for him mm -hmm. you know you see vladimir restituyo he's always posting on instagram about his swag both those guys really know how to get going so you know we might have it with brendan rogers in the big leagues and we have it in other levels too but the the grizzlies still have those guys as well so be ready for more swag coming through the system <laughs> just the swag development down here <laughs> speaking of swag these uniforms you have down there what's your favorite the all red. Oh yeah, my I, gosh. I, I don't, you know, it's so Those funny sick, because man. like, this is the first year that we've seen the all red and uh. these guys are so photogenic, but seeing <laughs> these pictures that come through from Zach Thien to Mateo Gill. Oh my gosh. They rock these red uniforms. The problem about the red uniforms is that we haven't won a lot with them. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I'm superstitious. It's like, all right, I like them, but we're not doing as well with them. So it's like, what do we do with it? But, 
all the uniforms we have at the Grizzlies, we're so fortunate that our design is great with it. The colors work really well. The scheme works well. And the guys look awesome in it. I mean, mm-hmm. Brandon Lasubio rocks the black uniform better than anyone I've ever seen. And that just gives an homage to, you know, our, our park, to Chansey Park and, uh, the, you know, the casino. So, uh, you know, they do a great job with the uniforms. And these guys just enjoy wearing all of them. Well, and to change the topic from swag, like just you were mentioning that Eddie Diaz and, and Restituyo both are, are swagged out. Um, but I know those those two guys are also really fast. Like those are yes. speedy guys. But on the team, who would you say has the most speed? Because I know there's a lot of, of good athletes on that roster. Who's the Who would win the foot race? Well, first of all, it's not me. Uh, I, would <laughs> pro- I would probably say Eddie Diaz. And the reason why is he just – he just, I don't know how he does it, but he just goes, his legs just go. And no offense to Zach Bean. Yeah. Zach Bean leads our team in stolen bases. Yeah. He leads the low a West, but there's something about Eddie Diaz that I see uh, from former Grizzlies and miles strong, Kyle Tucker, where their, their feet just go. And it just, you know, he hits a fly ball to right field and the guy's on second base before the ball's even caught. It just shows how fast he can get around the base pass. I, I do want to see the three of them have a race, and see what happens too. But I also would throw a dark horse in there too. And a couple of our starting pitchers are pretty fast as well. <laughs> Ringless Subio and Sam Weatherly can really get going. So I would love to just see a race at some point this season. And if it comes down to it, maybe Johnny Bravo can get involved in that race as well. So <laughs> uh, I, I would probably say Eddie Diaz though. So. Okay. Let's get I mean, Bravo out there. You might have to coordinate a, a little race for, for the broadcast or something. <laughs> you know, I, I might have to. Your, your sixth inning promotion good. is the Fresno Grizzlies chasing each other oh in between the mid in, infield. It would be so much fun to watch too. But what I'm really afraid of, if Eddie Diaz breaks a chain, if he might slow down, have to pick it up and then lose out to rest of two year ravine in the long run. So <laughs> yeah, you know, he's picking that up. Absolutely. Um, all right. I have a few questions. Let's end it with this. Um, so we asked Bravo, speaking of Bravo, these questions, I don't think you're going to have uh, any problem with these. Oh, no. They're Rocky's <laughs> questions, very basic trivia questions. And, and then I have a few just silly questions about your job and whatnot. Awesome. So we asked Bravo um, in February. Yeah, February. When was the inaugural year of the Colorado Rockies? 1990. No, that's not that's not right. 1998 is the only thing that's going to my mind, but that's not right. That's the Diamondbacks. So. 1993. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little. Bravo. You're fine. Bravo said 2004. Ah. <laughs> it was a little up. Um, can you name four slash five all the Blank Street Bombers? Uh, Larry Walker. Um, no, that's, that's, that's all I got for you. Maybe I gave too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gave me a little too much credit. I'm, I'm. <laughs> I'm bad. I'm bad at trivia. Larry Walker, Dante Bichette, Vinny Castillo, Andres Big Cat Galarraga, and then Ellis Burks always gets thrown in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, Bichette. That's, Bichette would have thrown me off. That would have been yeah. the one I wouldn't have gone. Um, and then who's the one Rockies in the Hall of Fame? Okay. <laughs> Come on. Do I even need um, to give an answer? Yeah, there we go. All right. So your job, you said you're the mascot. You pretty much do absolutely everything. One thing that stood out to me was you create the baseball cards. Like, what yeah, do you, I create baseball cards. What do you cards, do yeah. for that? Give me a behind the scenes look on that. 
Yeah. So first of all, big shout out to our photographer, Aaron Provencio. He does an amazing job getting these photos of these players during the game. As we said, they're so photogenic, Mateo Gill, Zach Veen, so on and so forth. Uh, so he gets these shots for us. He gives it to us that we post onto our Flickr account. You can find Fresno Grizzlies on Flickr. Check out those amazing photos that he takes of us. I find some of our best shots that we have of these players. And there's so many to choose from, guys. Like, I'm literally sitting here going, I don't know which one to choose, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty brutal. Um, but so what I do is just kind of pick, you know, a photo for these guys. And then I take their statistics, whether they've been in the league, you know, for years, like Eusebio, take his stats throughout his career put them onto the back of a baseball card and give like a little synopsis of these players or guys like Zach Veen, who's in his first year, I'll put a little bit of some stuff from this season, do a cutoff date aspect and then get it all sent off to our, our card guys. And they make everything look all pretty. We have a really cool design this year. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, They will be available uh, hopefully by near the end of the season. Uh, I think the hardest thing though, is some of these guys might get a baseball card Uh, And some of these guys may not get a baseball card that could be with us. So like, for instance, you know, these cards, because it takes so much to, you know, do work for, you know, they go into, you know, they go into the system, you know, way in advance before the season ends. And so Mm -hmm. some of these guys are going to get a card that may not be here by the end of the year or vice versa, that we're going to have a guy and they're not going to be here as well. Um, And so it's, it's kind of just making sure that, you know, we try to represent enough Grizzlies aspects with it, you know, so, you know, Give me a reason why I should keep Dugan Darnell. You know, the guy dominated this year, but at the same time, too, he's up dominating with Spokane. You know, do I put him over, you know, some guys that we're adding right now kind of thing? So it's the answer it's to that is that yes. Aspect. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you always put Darnell above anybody else. Just I love it. For I the future. <laughs> he's he's um, unbelievable. I love Dugan. Yeah. I, we haven't got to meet him yet, but he's been super cool with our one interview back in February and then just in and out. And he's just super humble, super dude on the unbelievable behind the scenes stuff yes um you handle um ticket you can share whatever you want ticket issues and accounts and stuff what's the most ridiculous issue you've ever heard (laughs) we had one the other day (laughs) this is this is so funny so we had a fan call in uh, a fan call in and yeah put in air quotes and all that and say why did you guys decide to have games during the hottest time of the year you guys did a horrible job with your schedule this season. I'm really disappointed by what you guys did. And I'm not coming to a game when it's going to be a hundred degrees. You guys need to do a better job. Um, well, we don't make the schedules. And if we knew it was going to be 110 degrees, I don't think anyone would have guessed that six months prior or anything like that. But yeah, we get some pretty crazy requests and pretty crazy things that go on. But being told something like that is just, it's mind boggling to me. And you know, it's, it's definitely fun when they claim that they're a fan, but it's like, if you're a true fan, you would understand that we don't make the schedules <laughs> like and, at all. Yeah. And, and that's, that's baseball. I mean, yeah, no one wants baseball. to play in a hundred degree temperatures, but like, it's, it's always, that's just, that's what happens. Like, especially in the June, July months, yeah. you're always playing, getting cooked out there. Well, and I mean, you think about this too. I mean, you know, there's teams in Colorado Springs, there's teams in Salt Lake where it snows in April. Yeah, they don't want to have games in April when it snows, but it's not their fault that it snowed during that time. Or it rains down in Fredericksburg, you know, Virginia, or it rains down in Palm Beach, you know. Yeah, it's going to happen. 
it's not our fault that it happens, but you know, and plus Fresno, we're playing hot baseball. It's hot here. It works. Come on. Now. <laughs> it's what it is. There it is. And it kind of <laughs> makes it more fun. You see the ball, the ball flies out during these, these hot summer months. Yes. So it just adds to the experience. I mean, you might, exactly. you might have a few extra drops of sweat on your forehead, but you get to see an extra home run or something. It's, it's great. And here's the thing too, is the guys do keep cool. We have misters in their dugouts. So they do keep cool in between innings. We do have misters all around our ballpark. So the guys are, you know, are staying cool too. Plus we have beer bats going for 20 bucks right now. <laughs> and if you guys ever get down to Fresno beer bats, come on now, you can't go wrong with it. On top of it too, we also have Dippin' dots, which are my favorite ballpark food. So <laughs> can't go wrong with an afternoon. No, <laughs> um, yeah, this year, I will say I've been totally sold on the Fresno experience. Like I haven't, I haven't been to many like minor league stadiums, but like Fresno, this just having seen it like kind of intimately as a Rockies fan, I'm like, I have to get out there. Like it, it's, it, you have to, it's so much fun too. Plus, I mean, you have a chance to take a picture with Parker T bear, the best <laughs> mascot in minor league baseball. The guy invited, I mean, his dad yesterday has better dance moves than I do. It's unbelievable <laughs> to watch. <laughs> that's awesome well thank you Stephen, for spending your your afternoon with us late morning and just talking fresno grizz we have a lot to look forward to again absolutely thanks hey, man. thank you thank you so much guys i really appreciate it go grizzlies thank you for tuning in find more content at blakestreetbanter.com